Welcome to Know Your Foe on Colts.com, an in-depth look at the upcoming matchup. Here are your hosts, Casey Vallier and former Colts wide receiver, Bill Brooks. Well, welcome in to Know Your Foe right here on Colts.com. I am your host, Casey Vallier, and I am joined by Colts Ring of Honor wide receiver, Bill Brooks. And we are gearing up for an AFC South opponent in the Houston Texans to help us dive into this matchup. We are joined by the legendary John McClain, who covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. John, as always, thank you so much for the time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, I want to start by getting a little preview of what to expect this time around at quarterback. Last time these two teams played, we saw Davis Mills, the rookie. This time we're going to see Tyrod Taylor, a little different guy in the backfield for the Texans. In the two games that Taylor has come back uh, from injured reserve, he went down in the second quarter of the second game at Cleveland. And Davis Mills, the rookie, played before they wanted him to. He was 06 as a starter, had one great game against the Patriots, but... Tyrod Taylor gives him mobility. He scored two touchdowns rushing two weeks ago, two touchdown passing Sunday. They reached a low point in a season of lows, blowing a 14-3 to lead at home to the Jets and losing 21-14 because after they started so well, the Jets just totally shut down their offense. Taylor's nothing special. He's got experience. It's in his 11th year, but he's a journeyman signed a one-year contract. I assume he'll sign with somebody else next year, but he is better than Davis Mills because of his experience. But They're healthy at wide receiver. Their offensive line is terrible. It doesn't matter who's played. They've, had, they've got three starters out, but even when the starters were in, they couldn't run the ball. They're last in rushing. Last season, they were 31st in rushing. Not only are they last in rushing, they're last in average per carry at 3.2 yards, two fewer than the Colts. And I wrote a column today that the general manager, Nick Casario, has got to make finding a legitimate running back in the, uh, in this offseason. And I said a running back like Jonathan Taylor. And the top five leading rushers in the NFL right now were all taken in the second round. And the huh. Texans have all their picks for the first time since 2000. In, uh, well, that's a that's a good kind of point that I was going to go to. I mean, you mentioned this running group. It seems to be a revolving door. It started out with Mark Ingram, then Philip Lindsay. Both of them, they're no longer on the roster. Now it's David Johnson and Rex Burkhead. What is going on there at that running back position? I think they're trying to set a record for fewest yards rushing in a season because they're so bad. It doesn't matter who they put out there. They started off, they had a stat, their four running backs had more seasons and more yards than any team in the league. So what? And uh, they traded Ingram to the Saints, and he was so happy because that's where he started his career. They cut Lindsey. I ran a thing today in my column. It's on our sports website, TexasSportsNation.com, listing all of Taylor's long runs, and he's got like seven longer than the longest Texans run. Texans have only one run by a back of at least 25 yards. That was David Lindsay early in the season, and, and he got a new zip code last week. So <laughs> it's hard on any quarterback, whether it's a veteran like Tyrod Taylor or a rookie like Davis Mills, if you can't even have – the semblance of a running game. I think when they want to have play action here, defensive players just laugh. (laughs) Hey, John, you know, you you talk about the running game, but as we know, the running game is also a function of the play of the offensive line. And the Texans offensive line this year has struggled a little bit with injuries and also with play. 
What can they do to fix this problem, or is this a problem that they will wait until the offseason to fix and make it a priority? They've tried everything. They go back in 2019 when Bill O'Brien traded for Laramie Tunsil, traded two ones and a two for him and receiver Kenny Steeles. And the Texans thought they were going to be low number one picks, and the first year it was 27. Then the second year jumped up, oops, to fourth. And those things can happen, of course. And so we didn't question the offensive line at all coming off the 2019 season. And then all of a sudden, last year was bad. They changed players, schemes, coaches, and it's bad this year. If you count Tunzel, you know, they trade two number ones for him. Their their left guard, usually, Max Sharping, was a second-round pick. They signed Justin Brett as a free agent after they let a former second-round pick, Nick Martin, go. Their right tackle, Titus Howard, was a number one pick. They moved him to left guard for a reason we can't figure out. And so they've devoted draft choices. They've devoted free agent money, and they still don't have it right. And there's been such a turnover in the roster here. It's amazing. And Nick Casario got a six-year contract to become the general manager, total authority over the personnel department, and he has taken this roster apart. And everybody understands it's a multi-year rebuild. And the, the position they thought they had solidified quarterback, they were having to start over. It's not a great year for quarterbacks, so I think they will use their number one pick on a position player and probably let Davis Mills play next year to see if they need to target that position in 2023. Now, a position that they have some talent at, I think, is that wide receiver. You know, you have Brandon Cooks, who's a solid receiver, and he's on pace to have another 1,000 yards receiving year. And the Texans also drafted Nico Collins in the third round. Is he the answer for the compliment wide out they were looking for and possibly the number one wide out in the future they have two positions of talent with talent here that's wide receiver and the defensive line and at wide receiver nico collins typical rookie opted out last year at michigan he's had some highs and lows he got hurt missed three games but he's flashed i wrote a column this week about the performance of the draft picks and they had no pick in the first two rounds bodes well for nick casario's second draft when he will have nine picks as it stands now, including uh, one that's going to be one, two, or three. And then we assume Watson will be traded by then, and he'll have another one and a two in this draft. And so uh, it looks like, based on what they've got this year, that that he knows what he's doing after spending his first 20 years with the with the Patriots and being Bill Belichick's right-hand man in personnel the last 13 years. And they've got Brandon Cooks. There's a big discrepancy between his numbers and the next wideout. It's the way it was when DeAndre Hopkins was here. They've got talent at that position. And Nico Collins, I believe, next year will play opposite Cooks. And then they'll have someone in the slot. And uh, so that does bode well for that position and any new quarterback they bring in. We're joined by John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. I wanted to flip over to the defense. You mentioned this defensive line is an area they do have talent, but it's also something, if you look at this defense, so many years has been a huge strength this team with guys like J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, Bernard McKinney, J.J. Clowney. I mean, you can go on. It just keeps going, it seems, but those guys are all gone. And you mentioned that this defensive line has some strength. Is this kind of the core of the defense right now? Oh, yeah. The left end, Jonathan Bernard, 
third-round pick last year, didn't do much moving from in to a 3-4 outside linebacker. He's played in eight games, and he has eight sacks. Been very disruptive. He's missed three because of injuries. And their best free agent signing was Malik Collins, a left tackle who's done really well. You don't see a lot of sacks, but the guys played, done everything they want. And of their draft choices, they only had five. The one that has contributed the quickest and the most is Roy Lopez, the six-round pick from Arizona. He, It's a four-man front, but uh, Lovey Smith, the coordinator, puts him on the nose. And uh, Pro Football Focus uh, this week had him as the second highest-rated interior defensive lineman of the 11 rookies playing, uh, getting a certain number of snaps. And uh, their right end, Jacob Martin, has he, this first time he's ever started as a four-sack. Should have had a second one against the Jets, but one was wiped out because of the penalty. So they do have some pressure coming off the edge when they're healthy. They also have a little – they had a little depth. And two guys have been hurt, but their starting four is pretty good. Most of the time, they don't blitz much. Lovey Smith's defense, it is what it is. You know, he rushes four, he drops everybody, he plays a lot of zone, two deep coverage. Last year, they had nine takeaways. That is the second fewest in the NFL since 1980. This year, they have 20. They, uh, I think they're fourth in the league. I think they're fourth or fifth in interception, so they've done a much better job at taking the ball away. 11 in the last three games, five against Miami, five against Tennessee, and they're upset in Nashville, and only one against the Jets, but they uh, they seem to finally settle on the secondary, but it's amazing how many players come and go as they try to jockey to find the right combination, which is interesting because most of them are going to be gone uh, next year. One of the things I want to dive into, you mentioned the turnovers. I mean, as you, they sit fifth in ter- current takeaways with 20, and you mentioned they had five in back-to-back weeks against the Dolphins and the Titans. Do you think it's been something they've done all year and they were just able to counter on those, or is it a little inflated with the amount that they've had? Well, they did have first time in franchise history. They had five twice in the season. The team record is six. And uh, they also played Ryan Tannehill through four interceptions, three in the fourth quarter when the Titans were trying to come back. And in Miami, they went up against Jacoby Brissett. But they've done a good job of taking the ball away since preseason. And Lovey Smith's philosophy, it's a lot easier to get takeaways when you're looking at the ball instead of the man. Now, they, they'll play some man coverage, but most of the time it's zone the Tampa 2 where the linebacker drops back in the middle of the field. But they ran 30 plays in man coverage against the Titans. It seemed to confuse Tannehill at a time when they needed to. But then they stunk it up. They, they played well against Zach Wilson, the rookie quarterback. He wasn't the reason they won the game. They totally shut him down, except for one touchdown rushing. It's just the Texans got, had 202, offense, 202 yards on offense, and they gave up five sacks. That was the second time they gave up none against the Titans, and the Titans got a great pass rush. They gave up five against the Dolphins, five against the Jets, and I'm sure they'll give up a lot to the Colts, too. <laughs> Now, this offseason, the Texans picked up Camus Grugier-Hill through free agency, and he's tied for the team lead in tackles. What has he meant to this Lovey Smith defense this year? Camus Grugier-Hill has been their second-best free agent signing. That guy has done a terrific job. 
they signed him. They put him in there. He made some big plays. He's had an interception or two. He's had some breakups. He is The defense has outplayed the offense. If Tyrod Taylor had been healthy all season, maybe the offense would – well, of course it would have been better. When Tyrod Taylor went out, they had destroyed Jacksonville in the first game. He played great. They were 14-14 at Cleveland at halftime, and then they went straight down to tubes in offense. But uh, – their defense made more big plays than the offense. The offense, you don't see them throw the ball deep because they don't have time to throw the ball deep because the offensive line is so bad. And the Colts will see that. And I'm eager to see if the Colts will do what the Jets and the Dolphins did, just blitz the heck out of them. And because a lot of times the linemen look like they have no clue what they're doing. And it's it's – it's one thing if you get a rookie center who's never played getting abused, but when you have veterans, it's inexcusable. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to the coaching staff right now. Uh, David Culley, this is his first year being a head coach in the National Football League, and he's been in the football, National Football League for a while. But he's had to, uh, I guess, have some discipline issues as far as uh, disciplining some of the players. What is his relationship with the players right now um, as, a, as a first-year coach in the National Football League? I'll say this about David Culley, 27-year NFL assistant, never been a coordinator, had been had worked with. He was highly recommended by coaches he worked with, like Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, Sean McDermott. And so they knew what they were getting into. You know, a lot of people think, is he going to be a one-and-done? That would be grossly unfair based on what they've stuck with, stuck with him with. He's one of the finest people I've ever met in 45 years covering the NFL. He is, he's honest and he has rules. And if you break the rules, you're going to pay the price. And, and, uh, you can't have like Justin Reed, who's one of their best players getting in arguments with players and disrupting a team meeting. You just can't do that because they're arguing about stuff. So he got benched for the last game. He'll be back for the Colts. He's in the last year of his contract. I expect him to be gone and then to get a compensatory pick for him. But, uh, Cully, I'll, I'll give you an example. At the end of the game in Tennessee, uh, he he grew up two hours from Nashville. He played quarterback at Vanderbilt. And he had family and friends at the game. And at the end, in the last minute, when it looked like it was, they were going to win the game, players were coming over, putting their arms around him, hugging him. And so I told the guy sitting next to me, look, that shows you what they think about him. I already knew what they thought about him because everybody likes and respects him. Now, does he make mistakes on game day? Yes, he does. There's veteran coaches, as you guys know, that get ripped for for their play calling, for their clock management, for their mismanagement. But what Cully says when we ask him about it, if I had it over to do do it over again, I would have done this. And it's I think all of us, the first year we did something, Bill, whether you were playing, were you as good as a rookie as you were your second year? Of course not. And if you've been stuck with some quarterbacks who could barely throw the ball, would that have benefited you? Of course not. <laughs> and that's the way we all are. We you you hope we're gonna get better than we are at the start. And I believe Cully will get a second season. Because uh, the McNair family here, they have been very loyal to their coaches and general managers. All right, John, final thing before we let you go. Deshaun Watson, we know he's been inactive all season, going to remain that way the rest of the way. It looks like more than likely he's going to be traded in March when the new league year rolls around. Do you think that supposed asking price that's pretty high is going to go down at all when that comes around? Well, first of all, uh, when they originally decided to trade him, 
They tried everything they could to talk him out of it, and he said no. So Nick Casario was asking three ones, two twos, and a defensive starter, and eight teams were interested. And uh, and then the ones that showed the most interest, Miami, Philadelphia, Denver, and Carolina, um, only Philly made a legitimate offer, and Watson uh, rejected the Eagles. He has a no-trade clause. He told them, I will only go to Miami. And they got right up to the trading deadline, and they had a deal worked out for three ones, a three and a five, and then the owner, Stephen Ross, got cold feet. I don't blame him. He said, we want those 22 civil lawsuits settled. And and Watson had not done that because he thought it was an admission of guilt if you settle. So he decided on Thursday before the Tuesday deadline, okay, we'll try, and they couldn't get all of them done. Ah. And so now they're back to square one. If he wants to be traded, he will settle those lawsuits. They started taking depositions on his accusers this week. At some point, they're going to be taking his deposition for 40 hours. And uh, I bet you at some point he's going to think, why didn't I settle these sooner? And so nobody's going to trade for him if he's got those lawsuits still hanging over his head for sexual misconduct and sexual assault. And so the new league year begins on March 16th. I think he'll be traded somewhere close to the deadline. And if I'm in uh, Miami, who knows if they're going to stick with Tua. Carolina needs a quarterback. Denver needs a quarterback. Uh, he would reject Detroit. What I'm intrigued by is the Giants. Do they give huh. up on Daniel Jones after three years? He certainly hasn't been worth six overall pick. They'll have a new GM. Could Pittsburgh be interested? Seattle. There'll be no short. Short. It will be a long list of teams that need quarterbacks because there always is. And he's a great quarterback. As the Colts found out last year, yes. we almost beat him twice. Absolutely. Except for fumbles inside the five-yard line. Oh, totally agree. I mean, if you look at his year last year, He's probably an MVP candidate, but the Texans only won four games. So we definitely know the importance of Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, and it's definitely a storyline we're going to be watching over the next handful of months, and I'm sure you're going to be covering very, very closely as we get around to the new league year. I will be, and uh, and good luck to the Colts the rest of the season. They can, uh, uh, I I think they will, Frank, of course, will tell his players, hey, look at Tennessee, look what happened to them. But they should be able to run on them. I'll tell you something interesting. Texans are last on the league against the run, but they've only given up one 100-yard game, and that was to Taylor, who had six carries, in the, I mean, six yards in the first half and exploded with that 83-yard yep. run. And um, so uh, I expect Taylor will have his second 100-yard game. Well, there you go. John McLean of the Houston Chronicle. Thank you so much for the time, as always. John, really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Thank you very much for having me, and happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, John. The Colts are on the road in Houston at NRG Stadium for an AFC South Division matchup against the Houston Texans on Sunday. The team will have their bye week next week, so we won't talk to you again until the following week when we get a preview of the New England Patriots from Tom Curran. But this Sunday, the Colts and the Texans in Houston. For Bill Brooks, I am Casey Valle. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and go Colts! Go Colts!